Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Philadelphia Eagles will have a new quarterback in 2021 because Carson Wentz has a new home. That's Giovanni, a 13-year-old podcaster, big fan of Wentz. And there's number two, Carson Wentz, because he couldn't wear 11 because Michael Pittman Jr. said, I'm not giving it up. Wentz is now number two. And Carson Wentz, uh, presumably this week in a press conference, that Philadelphia media is not invited to. How about that? I saw... Philadelphia reporters complaining about it yesterday. What a shock. Philadelphia reporters complaining. Could you imagine that? But they were complaining. And I think they should have a seat at the table or at the Zoom session. Why are you freezing them out? Let them ask some questions. This is a news conference. It shouldn't be exclusive only to the reporters who will put their nose in the right spot when asking the questions. So I got a problem with that. Presumably he'll talk about why he's picked number two. Giovanni breaking the news that Wentz will be number two in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's, that's hey, cool. I'm, you know me. I like the I like quarterbacks who wear number two. I definitely do. Uh, one plus one is two. He wore eleven. Now he's got two. Okay, that's cool. I'm down with that. I I have never heard of that though. Like there, and, and this is news to me. I I didn't know this until you just said it. But they're not going to let Philly. Anybody from the Philly media be involved with this conversation? That, that to me, is a little odd. There's no doubt about that. Are they just letting Colts, Indianapolis people around the team? Yes. Or is there other, there's, there's no other cities or uh, national media that's allowed? I don't know whether and to what extent national media is involved. Right. A lot of these press conferences happen without anyone involved nationally. And, and look, this is – I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I I don't care. I'm, I'm old enough that it, I, I'll, I'll gladly get myself in trouble. This because it's the truth. Here's what happens. In a lot of cities, I'm not going to say all, but in a lot of cities, there's a there's a comfortable relationship. There's a quid pro course, quo. Right. Your job is to cover the team. You help us cover the team and we won't be buttholes. Th- that's kind of the loose understanding. And sure. the smaller the market, the more effective that arrangement can be. So. It makes it easier for everyone if you don't have – now, sometimes it's unavoidable, as we saw with Urban Meyer when he got his introduction to the NFL and he was peppered with questions about the misguided hiring of Chris Doyle. I'm not saying that there are kid gloves at all times, but you're not going to have any of the Philly media who would be destroying Carson Wentz with questions about what went wrong and why it went wrong right. because he's managed to avoid any of all it. All of it, I know. Any of it. Once he got benched, he didn't have any regular media obligations, and he was able to avoid it because there's no locker room access last year because of the pandemic. The pandemic has helped because, Chris, in a normal year, what would happen is there would be an open press conference. Sure. And it would be extremely awkward if the Colts denied access to credentialed members right. of the Philadelphia media who were making the trip to Indianapolis to ask questions face-to-face of Carson Wentz. They would have a very hard time getting away with that. Yeah. It's a lot easier getting away with it in the era of Zoom press conferences. No, definitely. And, I mean, you're right, Mike. There's, this is uh, I scratch your back, you scratch my back type of, you know, relationship with the local media a lot of the times, you know, as a whole. We'll make these players available. This coach, this coach is available. And then the media knows – 
you know, not to cross the line maybe in, you know, total defamation of a football team or anything like that. It's fair and honest criticism when criticism right. is deserved. Okay. We yeah. deal with right. that all we hey, look, we deal with that. You think we're ever gonna have David Cully or Jack Easterby or Nick Casario on this show? Hell no. We're at the forefront of saying what a mess that team is because it is a mess. It is a mess. Well, yeah, and and we go and we go into it with eyes open that uh, that they're going to freeze us out. There's plenty of other people they can talk to. And here's the other twist, and this leads into the next point. Right. When all of these teams have their own in-house media operation, where the person who's interviewing you is a coworker who reports to the owner, just like the person that they're interviewing does. There's definitely not going to be any tough questions. And when no. Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, finally spoke about this trade, it wasn't in a press conference, although presumably he'll have one at some point. It was to, wait for it, the team website. The exclusive, which I always refer to it as, as an inner office meeting, because that's what it is. You're two people commonly employed by the same person, and you're having a conversation that's being being touted as an sure. actual interview. There's yeah. no independence whatsoever. The person's getting a paycheck from Jeffrey Lurie. This has been going on for 20 years, and I'm the only one that seems to care about it, and maybe I shouldn't care about it, but uh, that's that's what we saw yesterday. So well, we have a quote board of what Harry Roseman said, but trust me, it's mean, it's worthless. He may as well just written it out and, and, and submitted it. That's what happens when you get interviewed by a team website. You're never going to have a tough probing question because if you ask a tough probing question, you're in trouble. Here it is. It's written up. He submitted it. There you go. Bam. Yep. Can you if you can read? There you go. You don't want to read that. There it is. Yeah, okay. There's nothing there. It's yeah. not. It's pointless. It's pointless. Uh, it's but pointless. I will say this. I like okay. Jack Easterby is definitely not coming on the show. I know that. Okay. <laughs> you, you've ended that for sure. I don't. Nick Casario and 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 David Cully. I, I would hope that we haven't said anything bad about them. We've talked about the organization no, no, as but, a whole, no, but it's not right. their fault. Uh, that's certainly not. So I, I would hope not. I think Nick's a pretty honest, fair guy. Just in my you know years, I can working with. Him I, there. I can. I can look. I can come up with a list of of people that we would not get on the show. Hey, you, Kirk because, Cousins comes on every Super Bowl, well, and by right. all things, hey, you would think he wouldn't come hey, on to talk to you. Maybe he just, maybe just doesn't watch. And you know what? He wants he that check from sleep number. <laughs> well, he wants yes. that check from sleep number. He ain't going to say no. He watches because he made you smash eggs over your head, so he watches. He knows. That's true. <laughs> um, but, 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 but look, I, hey, I, and that, that's just fine because – my, my only obligation is to you, not you, Chris, you, the audience, to be honest and authentic and true. And uh, and it's because it's not like any of our criticism is unfair. Even the Derek Carr criticism. Oh, you hate Derek Carr. Why do you have a problem with Derek Carr? No, I, there's just things about Derek Carr that I think need to be fairly criticized and somebody needs to do it. We can't just shake pom-poms. There are other programs you can watch, coincidentally, at this same time, if you want a bunch of pom-pom shaking, praise everyone in sight. That's not what we do, because that's not real. That's not real. We're not part of this, Chris, to just praise everyone. No. We praise those who deserve it, and we criticize those who deserve it. Yeah, that's And we right. talk about the issues that need to be talked about. That's right. That's that's how I, I, I try to approach the job with you know the knowledge I have of the sport, studying the sport. You know, oh, this narrative about this football team, you know, is out there. No, I, I, I've been taught football by these people and watched the film. That's wrong. The narrative's wrong. You know, that's I do. I feel like that is, you know, our duty a little bit. There's no doubt. We're not part of the the propaganda machine here. We respect everybody, but we're we're gonna tell the truth and 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 let everybody know some of the facts that maybe other people might not. And I know the people who are directly employed by the league or by the teams would say, well, you're employed by one of the broadcast partners, so you're part of it too. But uh, we're still on the air, and we still say what we believe and what we feel, and we'll criticize whoever needs to be criticized. I don't think, think they always love us, though, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, they let it go. go. They let it go, peel, but I don't think they always love the us. Curtain. <laughs> let's not peel the curtain back as far as we could. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, there is something that Howie Roseman said yesterday that I thought was very uh, intriguing, even though it was to a coworker. He doesn't rule out drafting a quarterback at number six overall. Now, when the report came out that Jeffrey Lurie, yeah. the owner of the team, and this was a Chris Mortensen report, wants Jalen Hurts to have a chance to be the guy, it seemed to rule out a quarterback at number six. 
And now Howie's saying, I can't rule it out. Look, I, you never want to tell the truth in advance of the draft. Yeah. You never want the truth to leak, and you never want to tell the truth. And maybe they have ruled out a quarterback, and they hope by saying we're not ruling out a quarterback, someone will jump in front of them and draft a quarterback and push down the board one of the guys they really want. That That's the very loose psychology as the draft approaches. You want the teams in front of you to take the guys you don't want. So, hey, I can't roll out a quarterback. Please, I hope five quarterbacks are taken before we pick at number six because then we essentially have the first pick in the draft because we're not taking a quarterback anyway. So always, always filter anything you hear either directly or through leaks. Right. Through that prism of you're ultimately in this process of you know where you're picking and everyone else knows where you're picking and everyone else is thinking, do we need to get ahead of your spot here in round one, wherever it may be? And, that's and right. so that's why I take all of it with a grain of salt this time of year. Yeah, and yes, right. we, we have to fill our content quota and it's newsy to talk about it, but, but we don't just pass it along as gospel. We say it should be regarded as as BS, the exact opposite of gospel. Well, yeah, there's your angle like you're talking about, and there's just the angle of saying like, hey, we might draft a quarterback in number six, hoping that somebody at you know pick seven, eight, or nine might go, oh, man, there's this quarterback on the board. We don't know what the Eagles are going to do, and now they trade you know a king's ransom to get that pick, and the Eagles go down a few picks, and they go, well, we were never going to draft a quarterback anyways. This exactly. is great. You know, so the, there, there is. You, you got to take that with a grain of salt right now, certainly. Uh, I, I, the, the thing At I, one point in that regard, too, because yeah. we always assume, I think, not we, I think fans assume when there's a trade, like a flip-flop, yeah. that, the, flip, that the, the team that's dropping down a spot and letting the other team go up a spot knows who that team is taking. They, they, they often don't. Remember, no, the 49ers right. didn't know. Right. They didn't know that the Bears were taking Mitchell Trubisky when they did the 2-3 flip-flop four years ago. Right. No, they, they, you're right. They didn't. Uh, I mean, I think that's you know definitely a, a real thing. There's times where those kind of trades go down, and the team that trades down doesn't know exactly who that other team's going to pick. Uh, but but I, I will say this, you know, and I know I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, again, drafting a quarterback at number six – and Jalen Hurts has inserted himself as, you know, a part of the DNA of the football team right now. You know, he's working with the Eagles receivers and doing that type of stuff. To me, you draft a quarterback at six and you got Jalen Hurts still on the roster. Well, welcome to the Carson Wentz saga part two. I mean, that's what you're going to be playing with. So that's where I don't totally buy it. You know, and I'll say what I said, I think, the last time. If they draft a quarterback in number six, then they need to trade Jalen Hurts because that, to right. me, is not a, that's a recipe for disaster. You're just you're, you're playing with fire once again, so we'll see what they do. But, you know, the Eagles, I look at them as a team and kind of a total rebuild here uh, for the 2021 season. They still need a viable backup. They regard yep. the backup quarterback as a top 15 spot on the overall roster. The question is, what kind of a backup are you getting? Are you getting a backup who is competing actively every step of the way to be the starter, or are you getting a backup who truly is the backup, the Nick Foles backup, who, hey, I'm just here to play if the starter gets injured. And I still don't rule out Nick Foles making his way back to Philadelphia. I hear you. It'll be the right. third time, nine years after he was a third-round pick, his third stint with the Philadelphia Eagles, because I think he'd be the perfect backup to Jalen Hurts sure. because he's not going to compete to be the starter. He's going to be there to help Jalen Hurts learn the ropes, and become the quarterback, best quarterback he can possibly be, Chris. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibilities yet either. I mean, they don't, doesn't, they don't have a legitimate backup on the roster right now. And then that, that's got to bother them a little bit. Also, the Eagles release, as expected, defensive lineman Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Finally, I remember they, I mean, it's like, this just, this, it just hasn't worked for years now. But they continue to keep Alshon Jeffrey around. It'll be interesting to see if he, number one, has any gas left in the tank, and number two, where he may land. Right. Uh, but uh, not an easy year to be a receiver. No. Uh, Kenny Galladay, not a whole lot of action. Yeah. Expected to visit the Giants, has an offer from the Bengals. Well, it must not be a great offer. He would have taken it. You know, this is a guy who I think had had designs on $20 million a year, maybe more. This isn't the year, number one, for cap reasons. To get it, number two, with all these great young receivers, how can you justify? How can you justify putting that much money in a guy who didn't play much at all last year? That's when right. You just draft a receiver, and uh, chances are better than 50 
50 that you're going to get a guy that can come in and play. Yeah, no, Mike, I, I mean, I, th I think you're right there. Like, when you just evaluate the situation, and you said this last week, you know, the salary cap, forget that it's lower than it was last year. It's about what teams expected it to be in this year. And what was the number you threw out there? That it really is 208. Yeah. 208. Right. It's like, so $25 million less than where teams expected it to be in 2010. I think that's why you see, you know, Galladay still out there, Juju Smith Schuster, because they're going by the old market, going, wait, wait, these guys signed for this last year in the offseason. I'm the same type of player or better. Shouldn't I get a little bit more? And no, that's not going to be the case at 182.5 as far as the salary cap's concerned. And then the other, Mike, you're, you're spot on. The other aspect is that, you know, we're starting to see the draft. It, it, the receivers are, they're, they're growing on trees right now. I mean, we saw a lot of talented second and third round guys contribute to their football teams last year. I mean, just think of Chase Claypool and DK Metcalf the last two years. The best two young receivers in the game. They were drafted late in the second round. So, you know, there, there is. And, you know, I've evaluated the receivers. I've probably watched somewhere between 20 and 25 of them right now. You know, there's, there's six, seven guys that are first-round type of talents right there. So that hurts the market as well. And uh, we'll see. Galladay would be a great addition to that team to go with Slayton, Ingram, and, and Saquon Barkley. Wow, you're putting Daniel Jones in a, in a position to succeed with that. Uh, I would be excited as a Giants fan to have Galladay there, but it's got to be the right price. Yeah, when I'm not dealing with a Jets fan in my ear producing the show, I'm dealing with a Giants fan in my ear producing the show. Pete <laughs> wants to know if, if Kenny Galladay is a must-sign for the Giants, in your opinion. I don't know if he's a must-sign. I don't look at it and go, oh, man, like, gosh, if they don't get him. I, they need another presence in the wide receiver room. They do. I will say that. I'm not saying it's Kenny Galladay. I like Kenny Galladay because he's big plays, and yet he's lunch pail guy too. He'll catch a slant over the middle and break a tackle and get 15 more yards. But he also will run by you or catch a 50-50 ball 55 yards down the field and make a highlight play too. That's where he's awesome. He's a little bit of a difference maker that way, and he's got you know all aspects of the game are really good. It's hard to find a weakness. The big weakness is like what you talked about. You know, it's a year where money's short and, you know, receivers, there's a lot of them also. And then he played six games. That's going to scare the crap out of people. I mean, it's, it's, yes, he's a receiver. He had injuries. You know, they can be finicky athletes at times too. But I do think the Giants need another, you know, legit presence over there, whether that's somebody else in free agency or the draft. They got to get that done. Meanwhile. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. Crickets. Crickets. Nothing. Three days in. Yeah. To the Haven't commencement heard a of rumor. the process. There's not there's I I sent a text to the, the PFT writer chain just to be sure. Has anybody heard anything, seen anything about Juju Smith Schuster the last three days? And the only thing that has been out there was the report from Monday morning that he's told teammates he's likely moving right. on. You know, we thought Bud Dupree would be the guy who couldn't find another contract somewhere else and came back for a year. Could it be that Juju finds nothing and comes back to Pittsburgh? I, I don't think so. I got to think this is a case of a guy who's overvalued himself on the open market in a year like this. I, I got to think that's the case. There's real value still to Juju Smith-Schuster. But that's my point. I don't no. mean finds nothing. Yeah. I oh, mean yeah. – doesn't find what, what he's he looking for yeah, and decides and decides, you know what? It's not me. It's the salary cap. Right. And next year, next year, I'll get what I'm looking for. So I'll go back to Pittsburgh for one more year and uh, maybe I'll put up some better numbers. He had 97 catches, well, 831. Yeah. Right. Maybe I'll put up better numbers this year. And next year, when there's more cap dollars out there, I'll get what I'm looking for. It, it's a good thought, but my thought off of it would be that'd be risky to go back to Pittsburgh because you might be the third most talented guy on the team and your catches might go down less next year because I can promise you Chase Claypool ain't getting worse. I can promise you that. They're going to go back and watch film and go, damn, why didn't we throw and design more plays to Chase Claypool last year? And then, of course, Deontay Johnson. You know, those are two outside like, we can beat anybody man-to-man -man type wide receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster, as you mentioned many times during the year and things like that, he's not that guy. 
You know, he's a guy that he's going to work the middle of the field primarily. He's a big slot receiver with a little outside value, but you don't really want him outside. You know, I still look at some of the teams that got like stupid money out there right now. You know, as far as like the New York Jets, where they are, hey, they still need help there. And to me, that would make sense with Mike LaFleur and what he does. They need a receiver that, you know, will get involved with the run game and catch those play action passes we see Shanahan do over the middle and all that. I think that makes sense. But to me, just the signs point right now to Juju must be asking for. I don't know, $18 million a year, something too much. like that. It's too yeah, much. Too much. For a number two, it's too much. You know, something we talked about before this process began. Yeah. If you've got a number one and he's your number two and you're paying him $18 million a year, you've got a problem with your number one the moment your number two walks through the door. Yeah, that's right, Mike. You're Un- right. Unless it's a team that has a guy who is a number one who's operating under a rookie contract and you can't pay him for multiple more years. Right. Right. That That's the only way it's going to work. And yeah. even then, it's a temporary fix because the moment – that your number one is eligible for a new contract, he's going to say, I want Juju plus $3 right. million a year or $4 million a year or whatever million a year. That's the problem. This guy is a great number two. Yeah. He's not a number one. He had a chance to be the number one in 2019. It didn't work. So he's got to accept getting paid like a, like a great number two gets paid. And yeah. you know what? It almost hurts him, Chris, that he had the opportunity to be the number one in 2019. The Antonio right. Brown no blow-up hurt him. Because then you don't get that team that says, we'll pay him to be the number one and we'll see if he can be the number one. And, and you know, they're avoiding an Alvin Harper style mistake in that regard. Right. By Ooh. not taking a number two and saying he can be a number one and finding out he can't be a number one. No, I, I think there's, there's definitely some, some realness to that. It was, he was exposed a little bit that way. And then, I, you know, of course, last year wasn't the greatest look for him. He's still a really good football player. And last thing I'll say with this, too, what hurts him, too, is just the teams who have a ton of money right now, other than the Jets, don't have, like, desperate needs at receiver anymore. You know, that's where you look at it. Like, hey, the Chargers are up there. They don't need receivers. They're pretty damn talented. The Colts, I think they feel pretty good with what they got. They got some young guys coming up. They got Paris Campbell there. Maybe they'll go get him. Maybe he's a guy they look at. You know, the Patriots just made their moves. The Carolina Panthers have a ton of money. They got maybe one of the best duos in football. The Denver Broncos are up there with a lot of money. Their receiving core is awesome, and Cortland Sutton's coming back this year. So I think that hurts, you know, Juju, too, that the fact that the teams have a lot of cash are kind of set at the position. Meanwhile, Washington, Curtis Samuel, three years, $34.5 million. You know, the numbers just aren't huge. No. For, for really anybody. There have been a lot of guys who've signed, and I think a lot of these agents have recognized, we better take what we can get while we can get it. Right. Because every year, there's a certain amount of money that's available, and then it's gone. And then the faucet gets shut, and it's just dribs and drabs after that, with some, some limited exceptions, like when Josh Norman has his franchise tag rescinded. But... I think these agents did plenty of work ahead of time to yep. know what's out there, set your client's expectations, and go get paid. And and it may be that that they didn't properly gauge the expectations of Juju Smith-Schuster. And, uh, I mean, to have nothing, nothing. It's uh, Somebody's going to get a hell of a football player yeah. for less money than what he wanted, and it's probably going to be a one-year deal. Whether it's Pittsburgh or somewhere else, Chris, I'm thinking it's going to be a one-year deal so he can get yeah. back at it next year. I think year. you might be right, Mike. I think that's the the point. Uh, the signs are, are pointing that way. But I will say this. Washington with Curtis Samuel, uh, me likey a lot, okay? I mean, I do. You know I like me some Curtis Samuel. And, I mean, they're just, again, them. They got, you got Curtis Samuel. They got William Jackson on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, at quarterback. I mean, I look at Washington and go, don't, let's not sleep on them. But, man, Curtis Samuel is the perfect complement to a guy like, um, uh, uh, what the heck's the other receiver? Terry McLaurin. McLaurin, sorry. Terry McLaurin. I, I was going to say McLean. I got John McLean's mind. Uh, but perfect complement. McLaurin, a little bit more of a straight-line guy, going to scare the hell out of you. You know, Samuel, another big play guy but also the kind of guy who can catch a screen and the speed sweeps and do all that. And, of course, this Carolina Pan- the, 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 this Washington coaching staff and front office was in Carolina. They drafted Curtis Samuel. They know all about him and what he can bring to their football team. So, man, you talk about what they got at running back with Antonio Gibson, 
McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and all of a sudden you go, whoa, watch out. That could be a really explosive offense. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's certainly not shy in trying to chuck the ball down the field. If only the Browns didn't have Jarvis Landry and they could sign Juju Smith-Schuster, that would be poetic because, as Juju said, the Browns is Is the the Browns. Browns. (laughs) And that would just be perfect. It would be beautiful if he ends up. And, you know, the Bengals with the interesting Kenny Galladay, and I could see the Bengals pivoting just because there is that Pittsburgh angle, although it was that Cincinnati logo that, Number one, he danced on on a Monday night, and then number two, got blasted off of his feet near during the game. That would add some intrigue to the Steelers-Bengals rivalry if uh, you saw Juju wearing Chris's favorite NFL helmet next year. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. There is a team that that definitely you know popped into my brain there when you talked about ooh, would they try to make a, a move for him? You know, certainly there's there's a need for another weapon. John Ross is gone. You got Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. You know, but they probably – that's why they want Galladay. Galladay is more that outside guy, big play guy. They probably look at Juju Smith-Schuster and think, you know, Higgins is outside guy but got size to go over the middle. Boyd's kind of that guy too to where they probably feel like we got that kind of receiver. We need a Galladay guy that can win one-on-ones outside. So if Joe Burrow sees one-on-one, he could throw a go route or a back shoulder or do those type of things. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I, my eyes are on Juju, certainly. One other team in the division as well that would be very interesting. Oh, that would Baltimore be. Ravens. Wouldn't that be something? He fits their mold so, of football. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that. He's physical. One thing that always blows me away by Juju Smith-Schuster, he run blocks, he's fearless over the middle, and if anybody saw the size of Juju Smith-Schuster, I think they'd be shocked. He's one of those guys the uniform doesn't do justice. Like, when you see him in person, you go, whoa, that's Juju Smith-Schuster? I didn't realize he's 6'3", 225 with traps and delts and, you know, butt and hamstrings and all that. I mean, he's built like a, a thumper, like Ronnie Lott type safety. And uh, that's, that's what he brings to your team, too. And I, that's the Ravens way. We know that. All right, let's take a break. We got a game of who doesn't belong and why. We're going to do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How about this I love it. (laughs) I like to solve the puzzle. Russ Wilson. No, Andy Dalton and the reaction. Yes, that's the Chicago Bears quarterback, Andy Dalton. Sorry, folks in Chicago. They really didn't try to get him, but they want you to think that they did, which doesn't belong and why. Speaking of a Bears quarterback who surely will be a former Bears quarterback, these are potentially available signal callers, which doesn't belong and why. Mitchell Trubisky, Alex Smith, Gardner Minshew. I'm going to go with Alex Smith. You know, I look at Mitchell Trubisky and Gardner Minshew and go, man, you get them, you got a really good backup quarterback. Alex Smith, I mean, as we've talked about, it scares me. I don't know if I'd really want him as my backup quarterback, and I don't mean that any disrespect to him. But, you know, the way he looked at the end of the year, that leg, all of that, we've talked about it a lot. To me, he's the guy that that doesn't belong. I say Trubisky doesn't belong because I think he's the starter of the three, the guy that I think is going to be somewhere when the dust settles, starting. Maybe not week one, 
but I think he's going to be he's going to be starting this year. And Chris, I think your guy Kyle Shanahan at some point is going to realize that that may be his best option as the number two to Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I can see the that. possibility of of being the number one if they squeeze Garoppolo to take less, and he says no, thank you, or if Garoppolo gets hurt. Uh, not exactly a stretch, given that he's missed 23 games over the last three years. Hey, I, I I hear you there. I mean, that that does make sense to me. I mean, Trubisky would fit that Shanahan mold as far as what he wants at a quarterback. And, you know, at the very least, Trubisky, you know, is better than what people want to give him credit for. He is better than what you want to give him credit for. You know, there, there's no doubt. There's been moments to where you go, okay, that's pretty good football. You know, he has played in two playoff games, one of which he played pretty damn good, and, and they should have won against the Eagles in the double doink. So, you know, yeah, that's, I'm good for you for talking about him and giving him a little, little props. I'm sick of everybody crapping on him all the time. Two playoff appearances in three seasons. Yeah, I know. I'll take that. Right. Uh, all right, pass rushers coming off of a career year. Leonard Williams of the Giants, Hassan Reddick now of the Panthers, Trey Hendrickson now of the Bengals, which doesn't belong in a while. Well, I'll go with Hassan Reddick really and just from a pure football thing like the other two guys are true defensive linemen I'm interested to see what Carolina is going to do with Hassan Reddick you know first off Carolina's got you know uh, Brian Burns who's a legit pass rusher off the edge first round pick you know remember last year they took Yeter uh, Grossmatos from Penn State in the second round he's going to be a force on the edge too to where I just want to know what you know Hassan Reddick's going to do I would imagine he plays some stand-up linebacker with maybe um, Thompson, Shaq Thompson in the middle, and then maybe a nickel and dime situations. He gets on the edge a little bit, uh, but I'm interested to see how they play him and how that works. And, of course, he's you know going back with his old college coach and Matt Rule. I think Leonard Williams doesn't belong because he's clearly the best of the bunch. It's that simple. He's the, that, he's that's a the good true point. baller. Right. He's the established guy. That's it wasn't right. even though last year was a career year. He's the guy you can count on to most likely continue. Good point. That I like that run too. Of success. Yes. All right. Receivers who have signed who are under the age of 27. Corey Davis of the Jets. Curtis Samuel of Washington. Rashard Higgins who signed a one-year deal to stay with the Browns, which doesn't belong and why. Well, I'll go with him. Rashard Higgins is the guy that doesn't. I think he's kind of on a one-year prove-it type of deal a little bit. You know, Samuel, Corey Davis, you know, those are those high-end number twos, maybe even a low number one for some teams in football and things like that. Higgins is a clear number two that will probably have to be a number three with Odell and Jarvis Landry. But, you know, he's playing the angle. The team's going to be good. I've carved out a little role. Who knows how healthy OBJ is coming back and all that. And I think he signed the deal going, you know what, I'm going to have another good year like I did last year and try to strike it rich next year. And he clearly wanted to come back to the Browns. He said within the last two weeks on a radio interview, hey, call me, make me an offer. That's right. not exactly the way you build your maximum leverage to get your best possible package. But he got what he wanted. He got an offer and he's back with the Browns. Yeah. Uh, available receivers over 30, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, which doesn't belong in why. And it's amazing that, that those guys are available. And I know it's not 2014 anymore, but still, these are guys who have accomplished some great things in the NFL, which doesn't belong in why. Uh, I'm going to go with T.Y. just because he's the guy with the least amount of questions, in my opinion. You know, I still think there's good play there. You know, T.Y. missed one game last year. You know, I think he, he battled through some injuries playing, too, last year, and he wasn't totally healthy in all those games. You know, the year before that, I think he missed, you know, four or five games. But for the most part, he's been a dependable, you know, player at the wide receiver position. And I still think has gas in the tank to contribute to a football team as a, a number two receiver and all that. Deshaun Jackson would scare the hell out of me. You know, just the injuries themselves. He's a cheetah. And I mean that, you know, in a respectful way. It's just he, he can fly, but when they pull a muscle or do something like that, all of a sudden, they can't chase gazelles anymore. So that worries me. And, of course, Antonio Brown. Uh, I mean, there's always questions there. I mean, well, I can, right. he, can, he, can he work without Tom Brady? I don't know. In my mind, he's the one who doesn't belong, and here's why. Right. He's clearly the most talented of the three. He's managed to stay out of trouble for most of the last year. He's been nowhere to be seen on social media unless – there's been something the last day or so, but I've been very intrigued by this possibility that someone else is going to eventually sign Antonio Brown because he has a Super Bowl ring. They kept Chris Godwin. Who knows where he fits on the depth chart in Tampa? He could fit higher on the depth chart 
somewhere else. And you know what? If there is a chance that Larry Fitzgerald and Tom Brady team up in Tampa, that's Antonio Brown's spot yeah. that goes to Larry Fitzgerald. So I, I'm very intrigued by what Antonio Brown can do if he truly has turned the corner and, and gotten past some of those ridiculous behaviors that plagued him throughout 2019 and into early 2020. Uh, all right. Available corners over the age of 30, Richard Sherman, Malcolm Butler, Xavier Rhodes, which doesn't belong and why? Ooh, this is a tough one here. I, I think the guy I'm going to go with is Richard Sherman. You know, and, and the fact of just the age of Richard Sherman and, you know, the recent injury history. The other guys don't have that. Yeah, Malcolm Butler didn't live up to all the expectations with the Tennessee Titans. I get that. Xavier Rhodes, yeah, he fizzled out with the Vikings. You know, played solid football last year. Nothing special. Richards, you know, it's a dicey decision. You know, I don't, the accomplishments, hey, that's all great and everything like that. But he barely played last year. Of course, he tore his Achilles tendon the year before the Super Bowl up with the Seattle Seahawks. So you got that. So you got two you know, significant years of injuries out of the last three years. And then that one good year with the 49ers was good, but overinflated. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's overinflated. The defense was awesome. It's one of the best defenses we saw in the last 20 years of football. It arguably had one of the best pass rushes we've seen in the last 20 years of football. It's real. It's, it's easier to play corner when the quarterback can only hold the ball for 1.5 seconds. So that's the guy I got the most questions about here, I think, out of that group. I agree with you. And look, I don't want to be a jerk. I just want to state facts. Um, Robert Sala is the current coach of the Jets. He's implementing his system in New York. And I said before we got to free agency, if Robert Sala is not at the front of the line to sign Richard Sherman, that is the reddest red flag that we could have sure. heading into whether or not other teams should want to sign Richard Sherman. Because Sala is the one who should want him. Sala is the one who should be saying, Richard, let's go do this thing in New York. And the fact that that there's been crickets in that regard, the Saints, the only team linked to Richard Sherman so far because of the connection to Chris Richard from years ago in Seattle. Right. It's not promising. Did we not the promising. Raider stuff too with him? Wasn't there? But nothing's happy. Yeah, well, that was John Gruden blatantly tampering. Yeah. But uh, either that scared Gruden away or they, they just, you know, part of it is, part of it, and, and, and see, here's the thing. The teams deal with this every year. The players deal with it once or twice in their careers. But I think the teams recognize for certain guys, you just have to let time pass so they can work through the reality that they're not going to get what they think they're worth. Yeah, that's right. Right. And I think that may be part of it, whether it's Juju Smith-Schuster or Richard Sherman, you got to let some time pass so they work through anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and rest on acceptance. All right, one more. Running backs on a new team, which doesn't belong in why. Mark Ingram with the Texans. Marlon Mack back with the Colts. Jamal Williams jumping from the Packers to the Lions. I, I'll go with Marlon Mack from the, the fact that, one, he is still with the same team. And, two, to me, he's the guy that I still look at and go, no, he, he can be a number one running back still. You know, he, if he's not, he's not going to be with Jonathan Taylor – but, like, there's legitimate juice left in the tank with Marlon Mack, and he is a legitimate starter. Mark Ingram, you know, end of the career. Jamal Williams, I think, is, you know, a really good backup to have as a running back. I look at Marlon Mack, yeah, he's going to be a backup, but he's got starter talent. I look at Jamal Williams, though. Well, you know what? They have DeAndre Swift. Yeah, so I know. I, they're, 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 like, they're, they're groping for where's our number one. And they got the kid back. from Auburn still who's been injured, too. Yeah. And I'm, oh, you know, I'm blind. Carry on Johnson? Yes, exactly that, right. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. still there, well, too, which is. I, I know when up. they signed Adrian Peterson last year, they were concerned about Carry on Johnson. Yeah. And we saw Peterson end up getting a lot of work. I'll go with you. I think Marlon Mack, and it's a shame that he couldn't find anything anywhere else, but it's the torn Achilles week one. That's right. And the fact that the running back market just doesn't doesn't bear a ton of fruit for even great running backs. I remember there was a time a few years ago Jim Irsay was touting Marlon Mack as an 1,800-yard guy. All right, let's take a break. Yesterday we looked at the best free agent signings of all time. So to properly balance out the program and to do justice to the fact that we can be jerks, we are going to do the worst free agent signings of all time when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues. Right There's this one spot that's nice. They got a great food court. And I bought the burger, and 
I had somebody walk into me and it knocked on the ground. And you know, it kind of had the oh. <laughs> it had the paper on it still, Mike, but I was in a rush. And normally I would have been like, no way am I touching this or eating this. I'm going back to get another burger. And I just said, ooh, I don't think it really hit the ground, and I ate it. And I'm telling you, that's what I got. I, <laughs> and Thank I think that's where I had some sort of bacterial thing in my stomach uh, that day. So what I'm an, lurking. There are certain places right. where the five-second rule should never apply. Never. LaGuardia Airport is number one on the list. Oh, my god. No five-second rule at LaGuardia Airport. <laughs> That's funny. That's that's great. That's George Costanza eating the eclair out of the garbage, and uh, his girlfriend's mother, played by me. Uh, yeah, sure. that's very fitting. About that that's work. <laughs> stepping, stepping in and and uh, catching George eating the eclair that only had one bite, and it was still in the paper. It was above the rim, as George eventually told uh, Jerry. It was not on the floor at LaGuardia. I'll, what was I'll, I thinking? Uh, Holy crap! Remember that, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, that I I it it really it really is impressive that you admitted it. And it took you a good year it did. to finally work up to cuz you spent that whole week saying I got this flu from my wife and she got it from her her niece I, or whatever I really, it was. You had this long chain of how you got the flu. Yes. So I'm thinking we're all going to get the flu. Right. So thank you for letting us think for a week we were going to get the flu well, when it turned out you just dropped a hamburger on the floor and I, picked it up and ate it. I'm not going to lie, though. I really didn't think about it. I, it was one of those things because I guess I was in a rush. It never really registered with me until a few months later because I was just – and I don't know what – and even my wife challenged me yesterday. She's like, I'm not sure – if I buy that, she goes, I was a little sick that Monday before you left. And I was like, I don't know. Well, maybe that enhanced it because I was, you know, I was hurting there. I really was. And uh, either way, let's let's not nobody don't do that. Stay away from it, please. Worst food move of all time. Picking up a hamburger, you drop on the floor at LaGuardia. Worst free agent signings of all time. Today's draft. Here's the trivia question for you, Chris. LaGuardia Airport is named after a former New York City mayor. What was his first name? And Ugh. mayor is not the correct answer. Yeah, I know. Mayor or mister. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I've seen, I can picture the little You're plaque. You're never going to get it. You're never going to get it's, it. Is it is a crazy I name? I want to say Frank. I don't know why Frank LaGuardia. It's Should not, we give it to him? He's got he's got two of the letters. Is it's it, Fiorello. It starts with an F? It starts with an F though or no? Yeah. Gosh, because I know I've seen the plaque in the airport many times, but okay, I, Frank is my answer. I, I'm wrong, so go ahead. See, I, oh. I would have thought I would have thought it was Vincent because the name of Joe Pesci's character in My Cousin Vinny was Vincent LaGuardia Gambini, so I wouldn't have thought of anything other than Vincent. Okay, I get the first pick. <laughs> yep. Albert Hainsworth, final answer. Um, disaster of a free agent signing, hundred million dollar contract. That was finalized just a few hours after free agency began in 2009. That was when free agency started, when the negotiation period opened. It was all one thing, and there was clearly tampering. There was right. actually a tampering investigation of Washington because Chad Speck, who represented Albert Hainsworth, was spotted having dinner with Daniel Snyder at the Combine. And the excuse was they were talking about Malcolm Kelly and how the guy who ended up being a bust of a receiver could be the next Andre Johnson. No, they were talking about Albert Hainsworth. He got a bunch of money. It was a disaster once. Mike Shanahan got there, and it was it was a disaster. It was never – it never worked for Albert Hainsworth and Washington. And uh, he was supposed to get $40 million guaranteed. He never even got that. It was just – it was a bad scene all around and uh, the worst, in my opinion, free agent signing of all time. No, it, it's up there. It, you know, what's, what's crazy – I got a little personal experience with Albert, right? I mean, first off, me and Albert went on our visit to the University of Tennessee together. Uh, so we spent that weekend together, right? And my Aunt Wendy, uh, you know, who watches the show religiously, she always loved her some Albert Hainsworth because of that. He was – Mike, when I was in Tennessee – he was the best defensive player in the NFL, and he was leading up to that. He is totally a guy, and I don't think he'd have any problem with me saying this. He chalked it up once he got the cash. There's just no doubt. He talked about cash a lot. I, I still thought he'd have more success than he did at Washington. He was unblockable. He was unbelievable for the Tennessee Titans during those days, but, uh, yeah, that, that was a bad one. All right. Um, I think I'm going to start off with Larry Brown. I mean – Larry Brown got a, and I don't even remember the money, and I don't have the details here, but he got all, he got a bunch of money 
from the Oakland Raiders, you know, a few months after he had those two interceptions in Super Bowl 30. And he never even really played for the Raiders. They spent all this money acting like it was a big-time free agent acquisition, and it's like they signed them all because of one game. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, the Raiders actually did it, as I was looking at this before, did it twice. They did it in the next year with Desmond Howard, uh, which was odd. But to me, that, that will go down as one of the worst free agent signings of all time just because it was awful one game and they got nothing uh, in return off of that. Five years, $12.5 million with $3.5 million guaranteed, February 20, 1996, when he signed with the Raiders. That was a lot of, of cash at the time. Uh, yeah. Now it's just a, not even a mid-level deal as NFL goes, but that's because the salary cap keeps going up and up and up. Back in those days, it was probably $47, $50, million, $52 million for the salary cap for the entirety of your roster. Next one for me, man, there's a lot of different There's a lot of ones here. here, I know. Uh Hmm. There's some recent ones where I'm like, man, wait, you know, we want to think of the old ones, but there's some recent I, ones. I'm going to go Scott Mitchell. Okay. Scott Mitchell was the guy who stepped in 93 when Dan Marino ruptured an Achilles tendon non-contact, went to the Detroit Lions and was just, you know, got big money and never lived up to it. And he was supposed to be the savior for the Lions. And when yeah. you have Barry Sanders as your running back, come on, you need to be a little bit better than Scott Mitchell was. So I just think that was way too much money for a guy who never panned out for the Lions. You're right. I mean, I remember at the time just going, whoa, they're paying him that? Like, you know, I know there were some good moments and some big yardage games and everything like that, but they paid him like he was an NFL superstar. Uh, and certainly was not proven to be that yet. That that I, I can still remember that day. You know, I think I'm in high school, early years of high school when that happened. Um, the next one, man, I got so many too. I'm gonna go to this one. This is an under the radar one, and it's not necessarily about all the big money. But Elvis Gerback with the Baltimore Ravens, that was the stupidest crap ever. I don't know what to say. You win the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer, and you don't run it back. Like, Trent Dilfer's got to be pissed about that to this day. Sorry, Manchester. But, yeah, he's got to be mad about that. Going like, wait, I know we didn't set the world on fire, but he made some big throws in the playoff games. You know, AFC Championship, Super Bowl. I was sitting there when they were playing the Giants. He did some things there. How do you not run that back? Then they give, they give Gerback a big payday, and he threw more interceptions than touchdowns the next year. So, to me, that's one of the dumber free agent signings in the history of football. Yeah, that one, you know what, that's a good one. That that one was uh, uh, a very, very bad one for the Ravens. And to push out a guy who did lead you to a Super Bowl championship, yeah. even though he wasn't a guy who was a gunslinger, you, you give up your stability and your continuity right. and you run the risk that uh, it's going to end up being a problem. All right, um, man, I hate to do it. I hate to do it. I hate to do it. Uh-oh. Nick Foles. Some, oh, Nick Foles. yeah, I hear you. I was on my list. Four years, $88 million. What? I remember the, the Eagles were trying to pull off the franchise tag and trade until they realized no one was going to trade for the franchise tag amount and then do a long-term contract based on the franchise tag amount. But still, $22 million a year for Foles. And I, I was – I was look, I, I thought he had done enough to deserve his opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, he broke a collarbone week one throwing a touchdown pass against the Chiefs. But it, we, we saw him get an opportunity last year in Chicago. He's just not built to be a starter. He's built to be the guy who comes in and pulls the bacon out of the fire That's right. when the starter gets injured. That's yeah. it. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that needs real support. Not to say he's a system guy, but you know he needs a certain formula around him to what you're saying. And going to Jacksonville where a team you know, was not that great and everything like that, that's not the situation he's going to thrive in. That's just not. You know, it's, it's oh, okay, I got a team. Okay, I can run the offense and take what's there to be had and, and do all that. That's good. Oh, wait, you need to carry me need to carry the team? Oh, well, crap, Ola, I can't do that. I mean, that's what we saw. We saw Mitchell Trubisky was better at doing that with the Bears than, than Nick Foles was. So I'm with you. That's a head scratcher for sure. Um, I, well, I'll see your Nick Foles, and I'll crush it with, Brock Osweiler to the Texans? What? What? What the hell was that? I love Billy O'Brien. I really do. I got a lot of respect for him. That was the dumbest move he made as, well, he wasn't even the GM at that time, but that was the dumbest move the Texans made. 
uh, during uh, that that for Brock Osweiler. Why? Because he was on a team that went to the Super Bowl and he didn't even play in the game. I mean, that was insane. Four years, seventy-two million, and of course, compound that by. What did they have to do? Give the Browns? Was it they 10, gave 16? up a second round pick? They gave up a second round pick to get to get his rid of guaranteed them. contract off the roster in the second year. I mean, holy crapola! Let's give seventy-two million dollars to a quarterback who can't really throw the football. What? I still cannot. I, I this is like branded into my brain forever. Super Bowl Fifty, the pregame. Hey, Peyton's on his last leg. We know that Peyton's one of the greatest of all time. I'm not trying to take a shot here. But him and Brock Osweiler in pregame warmups was one of the most underwhelming pregame warmups I've ever seen in my life. And I'm talking about college, NFL, whatever. I know I never saw more receivers dropping to the knees, going down to the ground to catch balls with nobody on defense, like curl routes that you ran in eighth grade. And guys are like, "Whoa, I got to get down and pick this off." The I mean, it was it was pitiful. But that that's a crazy one to me. Others that I had on the list, Neil O'Donnell, David yeah. Boston, right, Desmond Howard, you mentioned him, Des Dexter Jackson, who was the MVP of Super Bowl 37, yeah. shouldn't have been. He got a big contract from Cincinnati, I believe, after that. We mentioned Alvin Harper earlier. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon yeah. Bell recently. That was dumb. Namde Asamoah, right? That's another Namde one. Namde Asamoah, yep. Adelius right. Thomas, the Patriots. Take a quick break and wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. about 24 hours into the new league year there are plenty of names still out there chris as you embark on your weekly three-day weekend what's the one name that that you are paying most attention to as we move forward into this process oh man just off the top of my head there i mean i think you know the juju smith schuster thing that we talked about but but I'm trying to think about some of the, oh I mean it is the receiver position. I mean when you talk about those guys, Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, just cuz they're good players, Galladay has a chance to be I mean he's a really good player when healthy and I'm just interested in the team and let alone the the market and the money that they might get here uh, or if they do get it. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And for me, it really is Juju above Kenny Galladay because of just everything he brings to the game and being part of the Steelers and still that slim chance that he may end up back there. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.